0: Hello, on today's episode's theme, titled, Only the Paranoid Survive, Are You? We discuss cyber events that occurred in the past week, of which include child predators, extortionists, cyber spies, and a tale of two coronavirus apps, and more in this episode of cyber smart security podcast brought to you by salaudin Mao. this is episode 11. stay tuned only the paranoid survive are you so yes that is a question are you paranoid about your security Are you cautious? Are you making sure that you are not too naive about what you do online? How you uh, have conversations with people that you don't know via social media? Some of these questions are what we need to ask ourselves and put towards our loved ones so that they won't become victims of the bad guys out there looking for enemies to cause damage to people's reputation, livelihood, and even people's life. So I chose this team because um, there are so many issues that have been occurring in the past few weeks, of which some have been reported in the last week. Uh, One of the news reports was one of the headlines I mentioned in the introduction. So, Facebook assisted the FBI in tracking and um, hacking a child predator who has been terrorizing uh, minors and underage girls for years. So, what he does is to Send a message to a potential uh, victim and ask them that how many girls are uh, how many guys have they sent their um, nude pictures to? And uh, some of these girls, when they, they they try not to reply or because they they don't know who the person is, it goes by the name on. Or via email or via Facebook as Brian Kill and so he gets to them to he gets them to divulge their news pictures and even videos so that he continuously terrorize them and threaten them with um, messages about going to their school bombing bombing their schools and so much uh, different other traits this shows that some of these girls that are minors um, they are not monitored uh, by their guardians or their by, by their wards, by their parents oh and so, uh, um, due to this fact some of them uh, because of the traits from this um, child predator they they are forced to divulge such information and they continuously get to be uh, psychologically um, terrorized by this um, person. Uh, Fortunately, the FBI contacted the Facebook and Facebook had to um, pay about six figures amount of money in in dollars to a security firm in order to assist them to um, break, uh, to create a zero-day vulnerability in the um, operating system that this guy uses in order to cover his tracks. And the name of the operating system is Tails. So through through the browser, which is um, a browser that's called Tor. Tor Browser has been known over the years in which you can use to hide your privacy. It's mainly It was mainly created so that people that are investigative journalists, they could be able to use it without being detected by um, governments that are, that are authoritarian or that maybe endanger their lives. So that was the purpose of Tor Browser. But unfortunately, Without a child predator that use this um, browser on a, an operating system that is very secure to um, to do uh, uh, to te- terrorize people to uh, cyberstalk them and terrorize them, so well we are glad that. Facebook looked at the human impact of not trying to get this guy and then based on such decision, they ended up uh, finding a way to create a zero-day vulnerability, that is to create um, bugs on the operating system for the first time. That's what zero-day means. So, um, a system that has been patched but uh, a new bug comes up. Uh-huh. So, when they were able to create this zero-day vulnerability, they were now able to detect this um, criminal, and, and this. It has been said that he has um, pleaded guilty in courts to about forty-one charges. So, uh, and is expected to spend many years in prison. So, from this um, news reports. My, my I just have a few things to say about it because, uh, yes, this, the internet is uh, is a very uh, good place to be on and you do productive things, connect with people, and so much more. But at the same time, there's also the bad side to it. And as um, parents, as professionals, brothers, sisters, um and um, even teachers at school, we all have a responsibility to um, assist the young ones by letting them know some of the dangers of just conversing, uh, having a conversation with a stranger online. So we have to teach them how they should converse with people that maybe send the friend request for the first time so that they won't be victims of cyberbullying and due to maybe the threats that they receive they will not want to um, have a, a private conversation with you concerning what happened we have to find a way to monitor them this is the least uh, responsibility that we need to do so it's not a case of that okay you don't allow them to use the internet they will still find a way to use the internet one way or the other you have to f- create that atmosphere whereby they can communicate with you freely and um, and be able to tell you ask you questions when required and it's very important that one uh, everybody that is a stakeholder in in um, bringing up a child, be it the teacher, be it the guardian or a parent, uh, perform their roles so that we won't have children out will be victimized right from childhood and it will, it will scar them for life. So uh, this is about um, being paranoid about uh, one security, both online and offline, you cannot Afford to be naive about uh, certain things that occur. So, what do I mean by this? If someone, for instance, um, meets you at the airport and asks you to uh, assist them to take a package, you won't because you want to be kind and just accept such package. It is wrong. So, even though the person is going to pay you for it, you should take that as a as a um, sign that uh, no there's something wrong here the same thing applies uh, online you mustn't be so trusting so and that brings me to the next news report that i also found that it's related to this thing for for this episode about being uh, paranoid about your security and which is about um extortionists yeah Actually, uh, one website described it as um, breach bridge, bridge torsionist. Yeah, this is a new coined word that is used to refer to a situation whereby cyber criminals or the bad guys uh, send a mail or a message to web administrators, maybe a, a owner of a website, for instance, and then threaten them with. Um, um, hacking their database, or even claiming that they already have the database of their websites, and they they are going to uh, send very bad messages to their clients or customers, which will damage their reputation, that is the owner's uh, owner of the website's reputation, and put them out of business unless they pay a ransom. So, one thing that was so special about this um, uh, form of um, uh, phishing messages that was sent to some of the owners is that the message that was attached to, to the ransom was free of grammatical errors. So you, it's, you kind of want to feel, uh, you feel like, okay, this must be genuine. For this person to have you know, sat down and completely articulate the kind of message he's going to send as a ransom it must be real but uh it wasn't real it wasn't um, true that they had such data because anybody that has such data encrypted or uh, in their possession is going to at least give you an evidence that he has such data so just like in the case of ransomware, when when a ransomware attack occurs, you, you there will be a change of um, of, of the uh, wallpaper to catch your attention that okay your file has been encrypted and there will there'll be a file that will be left on the desktop of the of the system informing you that okay this is the encrypted uh, this is a copy of the encrypted file so for you to get your files back, you need to pay the ransom, which will, be before a decryption key will be sent to you for to decrypt that file. So, that one is clear, right from the onset, but for, for this case of a of phishing attack, the um, the extortionists or the bad guys were trying to fool their, their target victim with the well orchestrated message and the trade so they also threatened to the the index the seo that's search engine optimization of uh, of the um, websites that were their targets so the listing is such that um, people will not be able to find um such person's websites when they they go online so this was part of the threats, but fortunately, when some of the people that were affected uh, reported on on sites such as Stack Overflow and uh, Bitcoin Abuse uh, Platform, uh, they found out that okay, nobody has been has paid such ransom. So the ransom was between one thousand five hundred to two thousand dollars in, in uh, Bitcoin way we, they were supposed to send to a particular wallet a wallet address so uh, my own advice here with regards to this kind of situation is that you should um, not be tempted or due to the urgency of the situation pay such ransom because you give the chance to the attacker to uh, to um, threaten you again because what is the probability that if you pay such ransom the bad guy has not been hacked by a fellow criminal because criminals uh, like this cyber criminals like this they do hack themselves for uh, important information valuable uh, data that they can use against themselves. So, if you pay for a ransom and you get your data back, what is the probability that a copy of that data has already been being being added and collected by another cyber criminal? So, at the, end, uh, at the end of the day, you lose on both sides. Secondly, if you decide to give such ransom, what is the probability that in a week or in a month's time, the person... The, uh, the crook will not come back again with, um, with another uh, threat. Uh-huh. Because he may claim that he has given you all um, the data back and you are safe. But actually, you cannot believe the, the um, statement of a criminal. You can't believe the statement of a crook. So you can't trust such kind of person. So, it's just like the case of um, porn scamming. So, uh, um, the term that is used to refer to that is um, sextortion. So, instead of extortion, now we have sextortion. So, in which uh, uh, the cyber criminals are trying to claim that they have notes or videos of you watching porn online. Uh, so, of their targets watching porn online. So. That's the same thing with this um, extortion or breach extortion that uh, was the claimed attack that was meant to occur. So in a nutshell, do not pay such ransom because be it pawn scamming or bridge extortion, as I have explained uh, earlier, they generally won't have such data that they claim that they have with them. Because anybody that says that he has such data, just like in the case of ransomware, as I explained earlier, he is going to give the evidence. And even in the situation that they give such evidence, do not rush to pay such ransom. Try to contact a professional that could assist you in finding a way out. Like for ransomware, now, we have a websites whereby Decryption keys are uploaded routinely for new ransomware that have, have come up. So that is that on that. So moving on, uh, still on the case of being paranoid about security, we have um, cyber spies that were able to uh, hack into uh, two European defense firms. So. Defense firm. We are talking about military contractors that deal with millions of uh, dollars for maybe uh, military equipment, um, um, weapons, and all that. So, and we're able to do this by sending phishing email uh, via LinkedIn. LinkedIn. So it was reported that this attack occurred last year and. Uh, by cyber spies that was claimed to be uh, it was alleged to be um, by a sponsored uh, state go- uh, government sponsored by state government uh-huh. but the um, the um, link or the the um, source of of the attack or who, where which country it came from is still not yet confirmed. Although different news reports, which are attached in the in the number of links that, I, as I usually attach for different podcasts, claim that it, it was uh, via Lazarus, you know, uh, that's a, a cyber criminal gang, uh-huh. but this has not really been confirmed. So we cannot see that much on that. But my point about this. Uh, news report is that in the phishing email they actually sent job offers to uh, to some of the employees and by the time the employees click on the job offer to like download maybe the details of the job offer it's downloaded a malicious payload instead of just a, mes- a document showing the job offer and then From that malicious payload, they were able to get into the uh, defense firm's network. So, what does this mean to us? It just means that sometimes when you receive kind of message from even trusted platforms like LinkedIn and, and all that, do not be so quick to like react that okay, yes, I've been looking for this job because it is praying. the the attackers are preying on your wants and needs okay this person because they will have studied such kind of person you may have posted online that I'm looking for a job here I'm looking for a better job here and look at some of the wants or the job roles that the person is looking at and tailor such kind of attack to him so it's just like somebody is applying for a job you tailor your CV to that job role so the same thing applies here. The attacker is going to tailor the form of attack to those things that okay that the the target or the victim wants. So we we have to be a bit cautious. You receive a message, especially when it comes through any platform. It it, it can be a trusted platform, just like LinkedIn and the likes. You are looking for a job offer. Take a moment to like. Um, Go through it and ask questions. Don't be quick to download the job offer, especially when it's something, okay, they've not even discussed with you about an interview and they said, okay, because we saw your credentials, we want to offer you a job. Can you check the salary and tell us if it is okay with you? No. Things have to go through the normal channel. It has to follow the proper procedure. Try to find out the red flags so that you don't become a victim. So that is that on daniel's report. So so far, I've talked about child predators, I've talked about extortionists, and I also talked about cyber spies. So be it an individual, a business, an organization, whether even though you are just an NGO having a, a good cause to like end hunger in the world and all that you can be a target For the fact that you are not yet a celebrity doesn't mean you cannot be a target for malicious attackers Some cr- criminals or crooks are, they will use an employee to get to the CEO sometimes they use this, the CEO directly so it does not matter whether you are a popular person or not it's just a case of okay what's Exactly, does the cyber criminal want? The cyber criminal doesn't care about um, the, the the type of uh, attack that it directs towards a target or a potential victim. What he is concerned about is using a form of attack that will um, create maximum carnage, and in, in that way gets. He gets what he wants. So we have, we must not be so naive to just be so trusting when it comes to communication online. If you are even um, uh, trying to finalize a transaction, try to use other means to verify that. Okay, if the account you are sending such money is the right account. Business firms have been have been uh, have lost. Millions of dollars, millions of pounds, because they just failed to make a phone call that they could have just made to the recipients of a, a of a fund, and lo- they lost money because of that. So, by doing extra checks, because you don't know if your email have been hacked and the mail that you, the account number that you receive is actually from. Uh, from an attacker that use a middle um, man in the middle attack to uh, orchestrate such uh, attack on your on your network, so we have to be cautious. We have to be paranoid about our security. We have to develop the information security mindset so that we don't become victims. You must not be naive and have a responsibility to protect those that are around us because an attacker can also use someone that is close to us to get to us it happens in everyday life so it's not just on uh, on our digital uh, lives or our businesses it's also offline so have to be conscious about this so stay tuned and i'll come back uh, while i come back to you guys in for the next uh, news report We'll be back in a moment. Moving on, so moving on. Um, Yes, I I talked about some corona contact tracing applications that have been uh, launched. First, the one i would like to talk about is that of Germany because um, they've been working on it for a while and it took them 50 days to uh, work on the Corona app. What it does is to um, give a kind of notification to a user about um, Probably he or she uh, having a contact with a, a recently a recent person that has contracted COVID-19. So the app is going to give the message that the person uh, and give an advice in that message stating that the person should um, go to the hospital to to do some tests due to the fact that. He had a recent um, um, coinc- uh, coincidence meeting with a probable COVID 19 uh, patient. So, this is the act, uh, the functions of this app, and this is its purpose. And they've been able to do this by uh, making sure that it doesn't intrude on the user privacy. So, uh, Germany are now imploring their um, citizens to download the coronavirus one app so that uh, there will be more users that will use the app and by that they will be able to do the necessary tests for probable persons that might have the virus. So, yes, in Germany, they've lifted uh, restrictions, but as we all know, it only takes one or two people for um, the infection rates to rise up again so the infection rate has reduced right down and so um, they, are, they are using one of these um, these measures that is the contact tracing app that they've developed to be able to do more tests and f- uh, find a way to eradicate eradicate the virus so. Um, They've made sure to uh, adhere to privacy laws and it's, it is not going to intrude on your privacy. So, yeah, that's one issue. And they used the um, API that was created by um, a collaboration of Google and Apple. Uh, so, so, this API uh, was created by Apple and Google. like I mentioned a few minutes ago and it is just um, based on the data that um, that will be taken from the probable uh, patients of COVID-19. So, Users have been assured that their private data will not be compromised in any form and the, the app is not even going to drain their phone's battery so it's privacy focused so there's no harm to your privacy and um, it costs a lot of money for for Germany to create this app but, so that's one of the reasons why they are appealing to their citizens to download the app so that they can know how effective it is to so it doesn't all go well to put out an application for use and people are not making use of its functions it defeats its purpose uh, and so government officials um, public health leaders, people in people in different sectors are employing the citizens to download the app. So this is quite in contrast to news reports, made by bbc about um it's contact tracing app too for covid 19 that was launched by kuwait and countries like kuwait and Bahrain, but that one is quite invasive in in into people's uh, privacy so this is this is uh, like a case of two sides of the coins One, one side is is um, privacy focused. Why the one? The other one is intrudes into the user's privacy. So can can see that depending on the country, if the government doesn't consider uh, the people's uh, privacy, they can come up with an application that they can later even use to monitor their citizens post COVID nineteen. So it's pertinent that um, the main actors in in the industry, in the security industry, in technology, in business, they um, complain about this. Uh, so even non-governmental organisations to have a role to play, such that we don't have governments of countries putting out an application that actually uh, monitors their citizens and thus depriving any user or people of their privacy. This is quite important and um, in my own opinion, we we have to guide against that any application that will actually serve a purpose must not be one that intrudes intrude on the user privacy Uh, because if, if that occurs then no one is, no one has uh, any time to himself. So, you, you you have a mass surveillance in place like that. So, this is a good idea by the German government, but uh, we are imploring other countries that have come up with their own applications to find a way to completely modify it so that it's going to uh, adhere to privacy laws. Uh, which, you shouldn't use the, uh, the the reason to save people's life to intrude on other people's tri- privacy. It, it is not ethical. So um, this that, that's that on the two different coronavirus applications, and um, for countries that don't have the applications yet. Um, we hope that something will come up soon such that it can be global because for this um, coronavirus app that Germany has launched it will only work within their um, their country it cannot go beyond um, uh, beyond Germany so you want something that will later be able to go across borders and that way you'll be able to um actually get data about possible people that might be affected by the virus. So uh, moving on, uh we have a situation with regards to um, a new report from Google stating that uh, they are going to resort to a default signing using notification Rather than um, uh, using uh, passwords and authentication pin together, so when you enter your password on your maybe on your laptop, there will be a notification that will be sent to your phone asking that is this you? So some of us that have actually activated two uh, FA on their Google account. Must have been seeing this. So even for people that use that have Microsoft account too, if you don't use um, an authenticator, if you are using an authenticator, apart from using the um, code that's that is generated by the authenticator um, application, you can Microsoft authenticator application. You can also uh, receive notification that will ask you. Ask that if it was actually you that is trying to log in from this device so it's going to stay the device so uh, i personally have updated my two fa for my uh, google account so i usually receive that notification so it's actually a good idea because that way you don't need to really worry about um entering um a pin code uh, but it's it's it actually be a good idea if it can be used Uh, alternatively. So, sometimes you have notifications, sometimes you need to use a code uh, from the Google Authenticator app or maybe other third-party applications out there. So, this is a welcome development and I am hopeful that sooner or later it will be uh, integrated for other applications. So, except if you are using a security key, now, uh you might not need to use such um default sign in via notifications for to log into into your google account so security is is very small film even a stronger way to make sure that your account is secured and safe from the bad guys so uh so that has been all regarding um uh, regarding Today's episode of uh, Cyber Smart Security podcast, and I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions, you can send me a, a voice message or can, uh, contact me via uh, mediums where I post it, be it on Twitter facebook or whatsapp so uh, i'm looking forward to our suggestions and comments um this podcast i started it so that people will be able to like learn about the cyber world and also be able to inculcate lessons and um, advice gained from it into their into their lives so if there's some way that you feel that, okay i could do better do not hesitate to contact me i i'm ready to listen to criticisms and if you have a suggestion of a report that you feel that needs to be talked about also send it in i look forward to uh to everyone's comments and and ideas thanks for listening and the next episode. Uh, stay safe and uh, goodbye. I'm Saladin I'm, um, and This is the Cyber Smart Security Podcast. Bye for now.